Joined as always, your favorite and mine, Tony DeNicola. Tony, how's it going, buddy? I'm good, man. A little tired, a little sore. It was leg day today and uh, started a new job. Put in 46 hours over four days, but uh, got an additional day off tomorrow. So looking forward to that. And I got the hot tub warming up for when we're done. So, you know, let's dive into it, man. All right, let's just get right into it. It's going to be a quick hitting show. Um... First thing we're going to talk about is uh, Ezekiel Elliott. So news dropped, as everybody's going to know, uh, six-game suspension to start the year. It's in the appeals process as we speak. And uh, a lot on of weird... Friday, no less, too. Yeah. He's got to drop it last minute on a Friday afternoon, trying to oh, sneak that's past the past all the news sites. NFL news dump. I mean, I don't know how all this stuff would slip by us without the internet and whatnot, but... um. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah, we're just magically not going to see it with Twitter and Facebook and yeah. a million different apps that blow up our phones now. Because we all know that uh, we all spend less time on our phones when we're not working on the weekend. So, um, yeah. But yeah, so it's in the appeals process right now. So basically what they're going to try to do is drag it out. They're going to try to have Zeke ready for the Giants game, but that doesn't look like it's going to happen. It actually looks like the appeal process is going to be done um, in time for week one, which could be good news or bad for Zeke. Um, there's a chance it's going to get actually lowered considering some of the stuff that came out about what the what was in the NFL's investigation about uh, the girl involved in the case planning to blackmail Zeke by releasing a sex tape as well. Um, yeah. Did you read any? We'd, did you, go ahead. Well, sorry, I was going to say, we'd heard about a little bit about this before when this initially came out a year ago, you know, that she was trying to blackmail him and things didn't actually happen and there were some text messages. But now that we're getting actual, you know, the actual transcript of the text messages and all the stuff that's coming out, it's just looking like more and more like, you know, he didn't actually do anything or, I don't know, it's just, the all the evidence is just very circumstantial. And the fact that, you know, I know they need to set a new precedent, but six games just seems way too far. I mean, I think they set the precedent when they suspended Brady for four games over some deflated footballs. You know, yeah. that may or may not have been done intentionally. So Yeah, it's just ridiculous to me. And I mean, like, I, I'm not trying to poke fun at you or your Giants, but the whole thing with Josh Brown, how he admitted to beating Ridic- his wife multiple times, and they gave him one game. They, they gave him a one-game suspension. It wasn't until all the social media backlash that they, you know, finally kicked him off the team. And the Giants dragged their heels on this, too, which is the other thing yeah. that sort of kills me. They dragged their heels on it. McAdoo was blindly standing by his guy for some reason. And sadly, as much as I hate to admit it, even immortal Tom Coughlin knew about it at the Pro Bowl and, and just yep. let it go. She barricaded herself in her room. Security cleared him out of there. The NFL had to place her in another hotel and not tell him where the, her and her children were. Yeah, that's some it, clear it, mental health issues that the NFL just 
completely ignored completely yeah. ignored and to only give him a one game ban for the sh- stuff he did i was trying not to swear there for the stuff he did is absurd and then to turn around and give zeke six games for what i mean not to compare domestic violence things but even if they're the same one game compared to six brady got four games for some deflated footballs well it's- and at least with josh brown there's evidence he admitted to it saying i beat my wife multiple times with Zeke, it's he said versus she said, and we have a bunch of evidence, or you know, um, witnesses that say nothing actually happened, and then we have these text messages talking about she's trying to blackmail him. Now, I've said it in the past, I wanted Zeke suspended. There's too much going on with uh, pulling down the girl's top at the parade, the, the nightclub incident with the DJ getting knocked out, this stuff with his ex. He definitely deserves to be suspended, you know, don't, you know... Don't take it wrong that I think, oh, he should just get off scot-free. I said two, maybe three games. Six is just absurd to me, though, for the lack of evidence that's there. And the fact that Roger Goodell didn't even go to these hearings or see any of the evidence himself. Right. That's a whole other thing. Like, I don't know, man. I I get you have to set a precedent, but I just think it's just abusive at this point. No, I 1,000% agree. And I, I don't know what precedent they're setting, like... It just seems to me like they're just throwing crap at a wall, seeing what sticks. It's it's ridiculous. It is absolutely yep. ridiculous that there is no... I don't know why he needs to be involved anyway. Like, I think I've said it on a previous episode, but I don't understand why there's not an independent person that just does this on the side. Just as... Yep. Just, this is their job. Do this. And then... But I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Absolutely, and it'd be not make so smart for Goodell too, because it would take a lot of the heat off of him if you have a third party, independent person doing it. It makes and, way more sense, right? And but I think he likes it. Like I think he likes this abuse. It's the only thing that oh, makes sense to me. Yeah, he he's classic. He he's a classic pro wrestling heel. He's the Vince McMahon of the NFL. He, he loves getting booed. This is classic McMahon versus Austin back in the 90s. Like, I really think he's a narcissist, and Goodell gets off on it. I think you're right. I, I 1,000% agree. It keeps him relevant. I mean, look at him at the NFL draft. When he comes out, and the crowd starts booing him like crazy. It's, he's almost waving him on and encouraging him. He's soaking up the booze. David Stern was like that too, but I always thought it was for some reason it was it was it's less funny when Goodell does it than it was when Stern yeah. did it. Um, I think, I think it's because the fans. Did, he was kind of in on the joke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Goodell just seems like an awful person. It's sort of a weird segue here, but I actually like what the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, is doing. He's embracing gambling. They're tweaking the schedule. I mean, he seems to be more player-friendly. And and if you think about it, everyone's – there's this narrative out there. It's like it doesn't matter what the players want. It doesn't matter what the players want. Okay, because we all want to see a bunch of white billionaires just meet in a conference room. Like that's the thing that kills me is that the players should be absolutely the things that matter. That is your base of the building that that you're in charge of, Goodell. The players matter more than you. Without the players, yeah. you have nothing. With Goodell, we just have some random dude with red hair with a crappy attitude. Like, I just, I hate that narrative. And did you yeah. see we're, we're looking at a lockout in 2021? I was just going to bring that up, how Demora Smith, uh, the um, the head of the NFL Players Association, talked about that today. I, 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 I might have said it in a previous podcast. Like, with all these crazy exorbitant um, guaranteed contracts that are coming out in the NBA, NFL players are looking at that. I believe Richard Sherman's even made a point of it in interviews. Like, look at all this guaranteed money that they're getting, and look at how we're killing our bodies. All these, you know, um, these worries about, you know, head trauma, CTE, concussions, guys retiring early because of it. Like, is the juice worth the squeeze? Like, 
they need to get more of that pie. They need to get a bigger share of the pie. The NFL is the biggest sport in America. It's a multi-billion dollar corporation. They're making a ton of money. And the fact that the players are getting just, you know, pennies on the dollar is just absurd to me. Yeah, a thousand percent agreed. And the thing that also kills me is the the lack of guaranteed contracts in the NFL. I mean, unless you're a quarterback, you're not really getting paid. Unless you're like a quarterback yeah. or a special, special edge rusher, like Von Miller, J.J. Watt, you know, even Marcel Darius, somebody like that, even yep. like those are the guys that are getting paid outside of quarterback. It's, it's not, it's not, what about the, I think about the, think about a guy. All right. Here's a good example. Think about a guy like Justin Forsett. All right. Justin Forsett, it was in the NFL for about what, about nine years, you know, good, not great player, you know, but I mean, his average salary is probably like what? $1.2 million over the course. And I'm just guessing, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm just guessing, right? A good player, good enough to stay in the league for nine years. And the equivalent to him in the NBA is probably, I'm, I'm not exaggerating, probably making somewhere between, I don't know, Phil Rivers and, and Andrew Luck. Like, that, that's, that's yeah. the equivalent. And that's absurd. That is absolutely absurd. Alan Crabb is a reserved guard for the, or I think he's a small forward. I think, now I'm thinking about it. I think he's a three for the Portland Trailblazers. And he's making what Eli makes. Like, that's absurd. Yeah. When you've got backup centers in the NBA making like $12 million a year, it's so they ridiculous. can average 4.2 points and 2.2 rebounds per game, like, it's absurd. And it's not absurd from the fact that NBA players are getting that money. They negotiated that money. They have the strongest players union. They have the strongest players union in all of the major professional American sports. But... It is unfair for the NFL players. Like, you think about another guy, like Daryl Smith. Daryl Smith played in the NFL for, like, 12 years. Never, he's, he was an above-average player for the entire for the entire decade-plus he was in the league. I mean, he probably walks out with $40 million. Yeah. I, and, and that's a great that's great for that 12 years. It's absolutely great. But, I mean, who's taking care of him when he's 50 and he's, he's suffering from CTE? I mean, you think of, um, what's his name, uh, Duerson there, who... who killed himself you think about guys in your neck of the woods the wwe chris benoit you think of somebody like that i mean yeah if you think if you just even hear story and i'm this is this is speaking to the i guess just the larger picture of brain trauma and just as examples of guys that experience brain trauma like these you know these average to above average nfl players that don't make a lot of money but stay in the league for a long time you know a lot of money in comparison to nba and mlb players but it's a little it's a little kind of it's it's I don't want to say it's unfair because it's capitalism at its finest, but I think the players are 100% justified in their in their inevitable strike in 2021 and to to negotiate higher, you know, the higher guarantees in their contracts. This incentive based yeah. crap is is it's so lopsided. It, it's almost in the best interest of, you know, who, the, the uh, I guess I was going to say the owner of the Packers, but they don't have an owner, a, a specific owner. But it's in the best interest of somebody like, um, I don't know, Steve Bashotti, the guy that owns the uh, the Baltimore Ravens, for Joe Flacco to just get a career-ending injury. Because he could just pay him out, they won't count against his cap, and he he makes more money in the long run. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's absurd. Like, I mean, a guy like Alex Smith, you know, uh, He's got two more years left on his deal, and the Chiefs can cut him and save $17 million next year and just wipe their hands clean of it. Like, it's absurd to me. I, the amount of money that's coming in the NFL with their TV deal, CBS pays $1.1 billion, Fox pays $1.1 billion, ESPN for Monday Night Football, and one 
crappy playoff game and the you know, call a spade a spade. It's the crappiest playoff game. It's always the Saturday at four o'clock. They pay nine hundred like fifty million dollars. Like, ESPN is laying. Don't people tell me off. there's no money to spread to the players. Like, don't give me that. Like, the money is there. Give them a bigger piece of the pie. Right. I do not. I will not blame them one bit if they strike in twenty twenty one. I hope it happens. They may have to sit an entire year to get what they want, but I won't blame them one bit. It's going to suck for us, but it is going to be great for them going forward. And ultimately, you know, we got to look at it. Stop looking at it from a oh, I'm a sports fan, and they need to play. This is what they need to do. It's, no, no, no. Yeah. They're human beings. It's what the market lives, dictates. Right. They're human beings with lives and families, and they have to start thinking about what they're good at. You know, the same way like an arc welder would be. You know, it's like. You wear protective gear. I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. Um, but you think yeah. about somebody like that or somebody that changes the light bulb on a bridge. All right, that's a super dangerous job, and they make a lot of money for it. But if you're, yep. you know, you're you're changing a light bulb on the top of a radio tower on the top of a bridge, that's a really difficult job. There's inherent risk at that, but that's your job, and that's how you got to yeah. look at NFL players. That is their job. That is what they're put on earth to do, and they deserve to be paid accordingly. You know that. It's what the market dictates. I hate this argument. They should be happy they're making eight hundred and fifty grand. I, I would argue that NFL players, by and large, are underpaid, just because of what they put oh, their yeah. bodies through, and just because how insanely, incredibly impossible it is to get that job. That job is yeah. impossible to get. And with the revenue the NFL generates, and also considering it's a non-for-profit organization, they get tax cuts for Which it. Which is like, hilarious. Yeah, yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, the money is there. Yeah, it, it's enough of these owners, these rich white billionaires, getting greedy off the backs of these players. Like, it's time to play the guys who really matter, the guys that are on the front line. Who is wh- all right? What NFL? What NFL owner had generates their their actual revenue? Like, what what they basically put in their wallets from their from their team? It's like Jerry Jones. Yeah. I mean, all of them were billionaires before they bought Maybe the team. Maybe Robert Kraft. Yeah, I, well, they're all billionaires before they bought the team. But I think a lot of yeah. – I wonder how much of that's their main focus, their main job. I know, like, somebody like Jimmy Haslam isn't. He's still running his a big company. Um, Paul Allen from the the Seahawks, he retired or let, you know, left Microsoft. But he's got a cool $33 billion in the bank. Like, he's, you know. $33 billion. I, I don't even understand how to comprehend that amount of money. That is insane. Yeah, it's a million dollars for you or I would be too much. Yes, a billion, thirty-three billion with a B. Are you yeah, kidding me? That's nuts. Um, and yeah, they need tax breaks. Like, come on. Well, I, all right, you know, without diving too deep into this uh, this pool, but I understand why they get t- tax breaks. Uh, billionaires, especially owners of major corporations, because they heavily, heavily employ a lot of people, and the less money they're paying in taxes, the theory is the less money they're paying in taxes themselves means the more money they can put into their business and the more people they can hire. Who in yeah, turn you're talking trickle down epi- economics, which yeah, has uh, been proven to not truly work. I think it works somewhat, um, but uh, I don't. I I disagree. But that's you, for another time. You and I you, we work with a coworker who used to complain about this, and you asked him, "Was like, well, explain trickle down economics?" And uh, all you saw was veins just popping out of his giant arms, and uh, he was like, "Well, I gotta go," and he and he you know stormed away by walking on his knuckles out to his truck. Um, yeah, you mean Mason the meathead? Yeah. I, I, you know, we don't name names. I here. I can. That's fine. No, I can call him that because I may be a meathead, but at least I'll watch some documentaries on economics and Walmart and how it ruins the economy. You know, I'll do a, 
I'll do a little bit of research. Oh, that was such a horrifying documentary. All right. Yeah. So, right. I just want to remind everybody, you are listening to Under the Hoodies. That's Tony DeNicola. I'm Bill Keagle. Follow him at TonyQs44. Me at Bill Key, K Eagle. And the show at Under the Hoodies and Under the Hoodies podcast on Facebook. And um, follow me on Instagram. So, see if you want to see a pictures of adorable uh, toddler who's been a... Um, I don't want to say a sociopath this is a too hard of a phrase to describe in the last couple of days, but she's been an absolute nut job. So, um, but yeah, if you want to see her, follow me on Instagram, 13 kg. Yeah. Folks, <clears throat> you know, what's underrated being single and not having children. <laughs> so underrated, <laughs> mad underrated. Um, yeah. <clears throat> love my life. Uh, yeah. So, um, that being said, speaking of, uh, life and loving it, the good people of Buffalo, Finally, feel hey, like the team. Let's trade Sammy Watkins. Um, so yeah, it looks like they're going in a direction. Show That's, Ronald Darby the door. Uh, Ronald Darby pick almost picked off Tyrod and then picked off Tyrod. So, um, uh, in the <laughs> you know, Bills fans were right just now. chucking their remotes at their TVs. I know for a preseason game, Tyrod looked bad. To be honest with you, this Peterman yeah. might uh, this this guy they drafted from uh, he went to Pitt, I believe. He actually yep. might be the starter. Tyrod keeps playing this bad, but um, yeah. but he no, the Bills offense too, I believe. Yeah. So the everything's coming up Buffalo lately, man. The Bills are uh, making moves. Um, as yep. a lot of you know, they traded Sammy Watkins to the uh, Los Angeles Rams. They sent Sammy in a fifth-round pick to the Rams for uh, cornerback EJ Gaines, who is a 15-game uh, starter as a rookie, as a sixth-round pick, um, who suffered an injury and then came back last year with a decent season and probably going to look a little better this year now that he's two years removed from his knee injury. Um, and a second-round pick he brought with him. And in a subsequent move, the Bills also traded Ronald Darby, to the Philadelphia Eagles for Jordan Matthews and a third-round pick. So if you all remember, during the draft, the Bills traded their first-round pick to the um, to the Kansas City Chiefs and their first-round pick for Patrick, what, the pick that became Patrick Mahomes at uh, 10. So <clears throat> for tracking, the Bills have two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and two third-round picks in this upcoming draft, which Plus, my thinking... Go ahead. Sorry, but just real quick, they can get compensatory pick as well if they release a few not so so much superstars. I believe it's like two or three players, and they'll get an additional third or fourth round pick on top of it. And you know what team loves compensatory picks more than anybody on the planet? The New England Patriots. And you yep. know who else? The very well-run, very smart Baltimore Ravens. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, uh, my initial take on it was Wow, I didn't see these coming. Those are essentially yeah. their two best players on each side of the ball, at least the most talented, and uh, shipped them off. And they did it because, you know, they, they, they got value for Darby. Darby wasn't really necessarily a scheme fit. He's more of a cover corner man-on-man, and they're going to start playing a little bit more zone, like you saw in Carolina with um, uh, Josh Norman. Um and they think they're getting a similar player in EJ Gaines, obviously not to his level, but I think they're getting a similar type of player. And the Watkins trade, I mean, that's just them sending a message. That's a player that's hurt. That's a receiver that is very, very, very talented, but just can't seem to stay on the field. And they weren't going to pay him the kind of money he was talking about he thinks he deserves, which is Yeah, and it was genius. That, it was such a Belichickian move, which we're not used to the Bills making. 
Bill Belichick did this with um remind me of the linebacker's name they sent off to Cleveland. Oh, uh, Jamie Collins. Yes, Collins. Last year of his deal, Belichick's like, hey, I'm gonna trade him off and I'm gonna get a pick back for him. Same thing Buffalo did. Mm-hmm. And the and in return they got Jordan Matthews, who's yes, Sammy Watkins has a ton of potential. We know Buffalo. We've been hearing it for years. You know what? How potential isn't that great for you? If the guy's not on the field to use it. If he's standing over the sideline, he can have all the potential in the world. Whereas with Matthews, his floor is the same level, if not a little better than Watkins, because he plays. He's on the field. Yeah, he's not a true number one guy, but, you know, he's going to get you catches. He's going to get you yards. He's more than a suitable replacement for Watkins, who, I'm sorry, the guy just never stays healthy. And on top of it, you get a second-round pick coming back, which you could turn into a starter next year. And now you have all this trade capital. And let's face it, Buffalo, let's be realistic here. Your schedule is brutal. You play the AFC West and the NFC South this year, the two hardest divisions in football. So you're looking at, I mean, at best, I'm saying the Bills are going to go 4-12, and 5-11. And, and you have Kansas City's first-round pick. You now have enough trade capital to move into the first top two or three picks in a draft in 2018, which is just loaded with quarterback talent. This couldn't work out any better for you. You haven't had a franchise quarterback since Jim Kelly, and he retired at what, 97, 98? Your playoff drought. Yeah, your playoff drought is at coming up on 18 years now. Your franchise quarterback drought is at about 20 years. You know, suck for now, bite the bullet this year, but you have the potential to build a great franchise for the next two to three years. And guess what happens in the next two to three years? Tom Brady will retire. The timing couldn't be more perfect for Buffalo. So here's the other thing, too, that people should know. Jordan Matthews and Sammy Watkins came into the NFL at the exact same time. Uh, they both got drafted in 2014. Over that time, Jordan Matthews has 225 receptions, 2,600 yards, 11.9 yards of catch, and 19 touchdowns. Sammy Watkins has 153 catches, 2,459 yards, 16 yards of catch, and 17 touchdowns. Jordan Matthews has been the more productive player because he's been on the field. Which, say what you want about potential, say what you want about floors and ceilings, but all I know is that Sammy Watkins, for the better part of last year, had the same amount of catches and receiving yards as you and I. So, you know, what do you want? So, that being said... Absolutely, every time. That being said... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I know it hurts Buffalo. I know, you know, you've been so bad for so many years missing the playoffs, but just... You have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. This happened with the Colts and Andrew Luck. You know, they went 1-15. Oh, I'm sorry, Peyton Manning and the Colts. They went 1-15. Peyton Manning was hurt. They draft Andrew Luck. The Cowboys, we bite the bullet. We have a 4-12 year. Kellen Moore is our starting quarterback when Romo went out. We drafted Ezekiel Elliott. This Buffalo, this is set up perfectly for you. And like I said, they play the two toughest divisions. Their schedule is brutal. New England, I mean, let's be honest. They always run away with this division, even more so this year. Did you know that the Patriots are 53-8 and since 2003 in December? They've won the division every year since that time, except 08 when Brady was out with an injury and they started Castle. It, well, the hold on. Part, let, me, yeah. let me give you a quick uh, factoid about that uh, 2008 season. The Patriots didn't have a down year in 2008. They went 11-5. Oh, no. The Dolphins went 11-5. The Dolphins won the tiebreaker, and the Patriots were the first 11-5 team, I think, in NFL history not to make the playoffs. Yeah. But 53-8 and eight in December. Guess who the Bills play twice in December this year? <laughs> the New England Patriots. But there's hope, so, though, because 
Oh, Where's go ahead. Finish hope? your thought. No, no, no. no there is hope because I think they're trending in the right direction, and the Patriots don't oh, win the yeah, Super Bowl yeah. every year. So that's the, the other thing. Yeah, but, I think. But there I'm is. saying, if you look at the Bills' schedule, this year was a wash, anyways. Before you traded Watkins and Darby, like 53 and eight since 2013. So in 14 seasons, they've lost eight games in December. That also, the Patriots are 61 and 17 versus the the AFC East since 2002 for a win percentage of 782. So they play their best football in December, and on top of it, they play their best football against the AFC East. Well, why are you and, trashing the Bills? This wasn't supposed to be a Bills trash. We know how much I'm not better trying the Patriots to trash are. them. I'm just saying, dude, just face the facts, face reality. The Patriots, for their last five games in December, are against AFC East teams. They're going to run away with this division. So if there's a perfect year for the Bills to just tank it, this is it. Oh, uh, okay. The future, I, man. I see. I see what point you're going for now. It's, I'm sorry. I'm dumb. This is what you're establishing. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. But no, no all right, what I'm right. saying. But yeah, you well, you got to play Atlanta, Oakland, San Diego, Kansas City, Denver, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Carolina. Yo, there's not one bad team you just twice. listed. You did not list a single bad team in that. that no, was, no, that's all good teams. Every team in the AFC West and the NFC South, you can make an argument. Every team in those two divisions can win that division. Yeah, they're that stacked. Yeah. Like, I don't think any of those teams will finish worse than 7-9, and nine, maybe 8-8. Eight and eight. That's your schedule. So that's eight games right there, plus two against the Patriots. That's ten games on your schedule against just playoff potential teams. So, okay, okay, here's my thing. Are the Bills the yeah. second or third best team in the division? Oof. Well, the Jets are just flat-out garbage. So they're well, that's, gotta, that's why I said second or third. They're not the worst. No yeah, the I got to put Miami second. I think Miami – I mean, they're – they're a playoff team. They have a great roster. I mean, Jay Cutler, man, I know that's a huge question mark, but you know, they always got Matt Moore as a backup too, and he's he's more than serviceable as a starter. So I I, I gotta give it to Miami. I, he, I think the Bills are third. Oh my god, Matt Moore got rocked so hard in that Steelers playoff game last year. Yeah. Who hit him? It wasn't Bud Dupree. I feel like it was somebody else, but he got he got rocked. That was crazy. Yeah. But Matt, he got knocked the F out. But Matt Moore is a G, though, because he took that hit. I mean, granted, he was out for the rest of the game, if I remember correctly. But even still, man, I like Matt Moore. I feel bad for him. He's never got a fair shake. Like, if, if you're ranking, he's probably the best backup in the NFL right now. Oh, well, yeah. Garoppolo maybe. But I think I think Matt Moore would definitely make an argument for it. And I think Matt Moore would start for a lot of teams. Matt Moore's got more experience. I think Matt Moore would start for a lot of teams, though. I, I, yeah. feel, oh, I yeah. feel bad for I liked him in Carolina. Yeah. I liked him in um, Miami last year. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, real quick, I just want to touch on this, too. If any of you haven't been watching Hard Knocks, do yourselves a favor. Just get a month's subscription to HBO Go. And and watch it because I'm telling you this Tampa team, I've not I've watched that. <coughs> sign on, <coughs> sign on. Mm. Excuse me, sorry. Yeah, I gotta I gotta talk you through that tomorrow. Um, yes, so please. when you when you get up tomorrow at uh you know I'm assuming at like one or two o'clock in the afternoon, give me a call and I'll walk you through how to do it when you're in front of your TV. Please, so, I haven't got up at one or two in about a decade. Um, I'm an adult, sir. I'm 31. I own a house. Come yeah, on, yeah, now. man. Um, but uh, but yeah, so um. Jameis Winston, Jameis, I know, I'm sorry, my throat. Um, Jameis Winston comes off 
I before this before I started watching this, I'm like, God, he seems kind of like a douche. Like, I'm not sure I'm a big Jameis fan, dude. I effing love this guy. For one, he's a great he's a great leader. Goes up to everybody. Hey, I'm behind you. Have a good game. Hey, behind you. Have a good game. Every this is this isn't even just a 53 man roster. This is like before the first preseason game roster. It's 90 yeah. people. Every single guy I, went up to. So I like that a lot. It seems so minor, but it's huge for your leader of the franchise. Well, and well I'll like tell that. you. I'll tell you an even better story. The people that watch it know this moment. So uh, he's on the sideline, and it's uh, they're showing him their backup quarterback who's competing with Ryan Fitzpatrick, this backup guy named Ryan Griffin, who's been their backup for the last two years. He gets hurt with a shoulder injury. So on the bench, there's two linemen, and they're just talking and laughing or whatever, and Jameis goes up to him, and he goes, hey, your quarterback got hurt out there, but y'all having fun. That's fine. Keep having fun. And then gives them the the death stare. And I'm like, that made me fall in love with Jameis so much because that right there is like, that's a dude potentially trying to take Jameis's job. He's not going to, but that's a dude taking Jameis's job. And, and he's like, all right, you guys are joking around, but one of your, one of your teammates got hurt. One of your brothers got hurt. Like you want to not joke around in this moment right now. And it was just such a aware sort of, kind of like, hey, I'm looking out for my guy and you should be too moment that I just absolutely loved from him. And yeah. uh, he just... I love that kind of stuff. He, because last year, and I mentioned it, my biggest question mark on Jameis Winston was his maturity. Because yeah. in that game against the Cowboys, he had a personal foul penalty in the red zone, which knocked them back. They were forced to kick a field goal rather than get a touchdown, and they yeah. ended up losing that game, a close game on Sunday Night Football. Yep. So the fact that, like, that he's maturing and he's being a locker room leader like this, this it just speaks volumes about his character right. now, and I love it. It's showing showing that he's growing, he's becoming more mature, and dude, the guy's got all the ability, all the talent in the world. So if he puts it all together like that, and with the weapons they have, oh like, my god, Tampa's dangerous. Man. Ta- Tampa's super dangerous, and I'm telling you, I hate getting hyped up watching Hard Knocks, but I'm thinking about this. So they have Gerald McCoy, and they were showing Gerald, for one, Gerald McCoy. We all need to be better, more like Gerald McCoy. That is the nicest human being on the planet. But they were showing yeah. like there's there the coaches were watching tape on him, and they're showing him in the uh, in this conference room, and they're showing like the snap. The ball moves two inches. Gerald McCoy is past the tackle and guard, and in the damn backfield, he got through the line so fast, got the ball so fast that he actually knocked Jameis over and like apologized to him after he was like, "Sorry, bro, sorry," because he got through the line so fast. That guy is an absolute freak they have studs on every level of their defense too um i mean their secondary is pretty good um who's the dude uh brent grimes obviously really good player been for been good forever it seems like even when he was back in atlanta um and then levante david another top end linebacker and the gerald mccoy is one of the five best defensive players in the league probably definitely somewhere between you know five and ten for sure and then they have obviously Jameis. They have Doug Martin. They have two really good tight ends in Cameron Bray and um, O.J. Howard. They they signed Deshaun Jackson, which doesn't even seem fair. And then Mike Evans yeah. is probably, and I love Odell. Top five man. receiver in the game. The Dude, guys, I love Mike Odell, Evans but Mike Evans might be better. He might be a better player. He's huge. He's 6'5", and he's as fast as, as Odell. Yeah, he's absolute animal. Can go just yeah, get the you ball. You got a wherever freak wide receiver. You got a guy that can stretch the field. You got a good young tight end. Like you got a quarterback who's developing and maturing. Like yeah, dude, man. I, and you know, it, every year, I mean, 
the uh, Super Bowl runner-up kind of regresses a bit. Yeah, I think that's going to happen with the Falcons. I think so, too. I see Tampa taking this division, man. I, I really do. I'm telling you, I'm not trying to get too hyped up watching this, but I think I think last year you sort of saw it, like they were in the mix until that play, until that Dallas game, and you sort of saw it. They they were they yep. were, they were were charging hard at the end, and they just sort of fell short because they were super young. You bring in a veteran like Deshaun Jackson, who's – I'm just so happy he's out of the NFC East. I know you are, too, because that little prick would just torture us. <laughs> yeah. Me as a Giants fan dude. more than you, but – Oh my God! I, yeah. I I I love Deshaun Jackson. He's a great player. He's a cool story because he's so small and he's just so dominant when he when he's you know when he gets going, it's just he's unstoppable. But um, but yeah, yeah man. I'm looking at McCoy's stats for a D tackle to average, you know, eight eight and a half sacks the last four years, like, oof. Plus, oh, he's... plus the, the guy gets past deflections. You know, he's got uh, 13 in the last four years. Like, he, he's got that big 6'4", 300 pounds to move that quick and get his hands up. Like, yo, it's a monster in the middle. The, the other thing I'll tell you is his son, they were like, he, they were showing him, like, get his son dressed. This kid, I, I, like, three, he was, he was, for one, a house. Two, he had muscles in his back that I don't think I'll ever have. And he was three. And uh, just, uh, just a big kid man just a big kid i was like man i think little gerald mccoy is going to be in the nfl uh in the next how, 20 years how young is too young to have your have your child doing pull downs and and rows because uh yeah i saw the picture of that kid and i'm like damn dude yeah i don't know but uh all i know is that kid just naturally built um Definitely a lot like his dad, but I'm telling you, you watch that, you're going to fall in love with Gerald McCoy, and you're going to fall in love with Jameis. Mike Evans seems like he's a good dude. Like, I, I love that team. I like their coach. Their, um, and it was actually kind of sad to watch them cut Roberto Aguayo. That happened on Hard Knocks, which was interesting. I don't find that sad at all because, man, you he got was one terrible. job. He was You got terrible. one job as a kicker. Oh, I love the, the footage of the practice, too, where that dude's yes. just chirping him as he's kicking. He's like, watch this. Wide left, wide left. Boom. Off the Called team, it. it looks yeah. horrible. Called it. Yeah. And everybody, like, I would say everybody, but there's a little bit of pushback on him on that. And I was like, no, no, no. That's good. You need the kicker to turn around and just be like, yeah, F you, bro. I just made it. And Aguayo yeah. couldn't do it. He was shanking him. If he was getting in his head, what's he going to do if he's in a cold, like, say, like, they're playing Green Bay in Green Bay and they're trying to kick a game winner and, what, and dude, he can't handle he goes that? To Seattle, the, the 12s, those maniacs. You That's what I'm saying, man. You and make some noise while you're trying to kick a 47 yard field goal? Right. Are you kidding see, me? Tampa's and playing the fact that they traded up and wasted a second round pick on this guy you cannot miss dude i'm sorry bro like tough life but see ya there's the door don't let it hit you on the way out all right so i gotta we gotta wrap this up this is a short episode um but real quick i have a question for you and i just want to get your thoughts on this because i want to talk uh i just i I have an opinion and i i get a little bit of pushback on this so sebastian janikowski was a first round pick late first round pick in 2000 and he's still on the raiders 17 years later as a kicker was that a good or bad pick uh i'd say it's good if you take into account how bad the raiders were at drafting back in the day yeah i mean they are the ones who took jamarcus russell because he that's an interesting that's an interesting 70 yards through an upright on one knee because that happens so often in an nfl game i love how teams fall in love with these stupid intangibles but yeah i think it's a good pick for them that's interesting. I didn't think about it. It's from that reaching a bit. Yeah, but it is reaching and how bad they, they drafted. So drafting a kicker in the first round wasn't out of the But question, if you but... look at longevity, how many first round picks get seven? You get 17 years out of them. And he doesn't look like he's stopping anytime soon. He might get 20 years out of a yeah. first round pick. The Polish hammer, man. The more cheeseburgers he <laughs> yeah, eats, the better he is. Progressively Dude, by the getting way, fatter. 
my buddy, I gotta give him a shout out. My buddy Tommy, who's a diehard Raiders fan, absolutely loves Janikowski. It, it's like basically you took your fat uncle out of the backyard <laughs> barbecue, put him in a helmet and a jersey, like, hey, go kick footballs, and he just drills fifty yarders consistently. Is it How just me or does Janikowski's uniform seem like it's from the eighties? <laughs> it seems like oh, they have all these like all these like cool looking uniforms and like everything's tight and tucked in and they got these sweet helmets with the little little thing on the top there and uh, like the little thing to, to absorb shock or whatever. Janikowski's helmet looks like it's one of those Rydell ones you'd get from Ames, and then yeah. his freaking jersey is like hanging off of him. I'm like, how big is that jersey? Considering goes- the man's like 270 pounds. Yeah, it goes back to the fat uncle thing. Like, you know, That's the what fat I'm saying. uncle has the uh, recliner and he's got like the perfect like ass like worn the into the recliner, into it, yeah. the, the perfect ass cushion. That's that's his basically his uniform and his jersey. Do he's worn it he's... in so well that he won't trade in. <laughs> Do you think they just keep swapping out the logo on the arm? Just just it, it went from like logo athletic to Reebok to Nike, and they just keep switching <laughs> yeah. it out because it's been a long, around for so long. There, yeah, there's probably like 15 logos underneath the one. They just keep sewing a new patch on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my god. So, uh, last thing I'm gonna say is our friend Harley, my brother, my soon to be brother in law, just texted me. His favorite player in NFL history, for some odd reason, is Rod Streeter because I think Rod Streeter had like a insane game against the Bills in like 2011. So he's on the Bills now, and he couldn't have been happier. Well, Rod Streeter just got carted off in the Bills game with a leg injury, and uh, <laughs> he's having a he's having an absolute panic attack right now. So that's uh, bad that- times. That's such a Buffalo thing to happen, unfortunately. Uh, that black cloud just never leaves that. Seat. I love that Bills fans rally around the most random players, dude. He's the biggest oh, Rod yeah. Street. Andre Holmes. You you would think when they signed Andre Holmes that they restart that they that they had picked up Peyton Manning, a twenty three year old Peyton Manning. It was ridiculous. It's so funny. I have a, I have a drunken buddy from uh, high school who still to this day will not shut up about Alex Van Pelt. How Alex Van Pelt should have been their quarterback of the future. Oh my god. My buddy Brian does that with uh Dante Green from Syracuse. Bro, he would have been a lockdown defender in the NBA. Oh, screw Dante Green. He's <laughs> no. he garbage. He was garbage. Shot like thirty five percent behind the three point line. Screw him. Last of one year. What a waste. Yeah. All right, buddy. Uh that's it for me. You got anything yes. before we go? Uh, yeah, real quick, I wanted to pimp it out. I will be doing a special wrestling edition of Under the Hoodies podcast tomorrow night on Friday with my neighbor Pete. Um, I'd invite Bill to come, but not only is he busy, but Billy Boy just doesn't know enough about wrestling. Much like how if he does a movie-only podcast, it'll probably just be him and an- another co-host. But uh, No, it'll just be yeah, me talking gonna... about how white men can't jump, should have won the Oscar in 92. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, look forward to it tomorrow. Um, we're recording Friday. It should be up late Friday night, Saturday morning. If you're a wrestling fan, uh, we're going to be previewing uh, the huge weekend that's coming up, NXT TakeOver Saturday night, WWE SummerSlam, which is now a six-hour show Sunday night. So we're going to go through the entire car, give our predictions, and we'll just see how it goes. Nice. Um, all right, that's Tony DeNicola. I am Bill Kegel. We are under the hoodies. Follow us on the Twitters and on the Facebooks, and um, we will be back. We'll probably do a show again, uh, I would assume, Sunday. Probably have it on Monday or Tuesday. Sound good? Sounds awesome. All right, buddy. Good talking to you. Under the hoodies. Peace out, fam.